Thank you for joining us on the 180 Ministry Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed in your time with us today. I would like to invite your attention to the book of 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 16 and 17, and that will be our scripture text for the day. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. Praise the Lord. And the word of God reads as thus. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, to the hearing, and now, church, let us prepare to get an understanding of God's word. Earlier this week, I had the opportunity during my elderly visitation, I visited this elderly gentleman, a man by the name of Mr. Milton. Mr. Milton's about 78 years old, and he is truly a man of God. He believes in Jesus Christ, and he loves the word of God. And during my visitation with him, um, we talked about the word, we discussed the word, we read the word, and then afterwards I had a little extra time and I spent with Mr. Milton and Mr. Milton turned on his TV and he watched his favorite TV channel. His favorite TV channel is the channel that shows all the old Western shows. He likes those old cowboy pictures. And as I sat there with him and just enjoying time with him, and watching the show that he was watching, I allowed my mind to go down memory lane. I looked into the rearview mirror of my life. I don't know if any of you ever looked into the rearview mirror of your life, but I looked into the rearview mirror of my life and I saw myself when I went to see my first movie at the picture show. You see, we didn't call it the movies back then. They called it the picture show. And I was still in elementary school, and I was maybe this high, no, maybe this high. Well, let's just say I was knee high to a pig's eye. And I was in elementary school, and I saw that they had a movie down there called The Magnificent Seven. Old cowboy western, and I and I wanted to see that picture, but my mother and father wouldn't let me go see it. So I saved up my allowance, and I even helped myself by. Back in the day, we used to take Coca-Cola bottles, empty Coca-Cola bottles, and we used to take them to the store and cash them in. I think. Elder Russell, we might have got three cents or a nickel from it sometime. But um, I saved up enough money so I can go to watch the Magnificent Seven at the picture show. And I, I don't want nobody to say nothing. I skipped school to go to the matinee. And yes, I did. I'm sorry, church, but I did. You wasn't supposed to know that, sister. But praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm sorry. Excuse me. Malfunction. Or my misfunction. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so I went down to the picture show and I paid for my ticket to get in. And when I got inside of the picture show, I pulled down the wooden seat and I sat down. I had my popcorn, I had my soda, and I said, I'm going to see the Magnificent Seven. And then the picture show got dark and the screen lit up. And I got excited and said, yes, the Magnificent Seven. But what I saw was not the Magnificent Seven. All I saw was all these previews that came across. And I kept saying, I don't want to see the previews. I want to see the Magnificent Seven. But then one preview came across the screen. It caught my attention. And it said, the return of the seven. I said, yes. And as I looked and saw the previews, and I was I caught up in the action and the drama of the previews, I was saying, I've got to see this. I've got to see this movie. When is it coming? When is it coming? And the answer to my question came across the screen in words. And the words were, coming soon. Coming soon. So if I had to place a title upon this message today, church, I would have to entitle it, Coming Soon. Coming soon. If you will, pray with me. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus the Christ, we thank you, Almighty God, for this day. We thank you, dear God, for this service, dear God, in which you have allowed us to take part in. We thank you, dear God, for your Holy Spirit reigning supreme throughout this service thus far. We thank you for the songs that were sung, the music that was played. We thank you for the prayers that were prayed. We thank you, dear God, for the fellowship, dear God. We thank you, dear God, for showing us the mission spotlight, letting us know that we are to help one another and we are to help others. Thank you, dear God, for just continuing, dear God, to be with us. Now, dear God, I ask that as you have touched us right now, continue to touch us. Dear God, bring forth your word. You know, Heavenly Father, I do not have it. So I ask you to remove me and replace me with thee and impart unto your children, thus saith the Lord. I pray that their ears will be open, that their hearts will be receptive, their minds will be attentive to thus saith the Lord. And as always, dear God, I give you all praise, glory, and honor. And it's in Jesus the Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Coming soon coming soon. As believers in Jesus Christ, as believers in God, as Seventh-day Adventists, we believe that the second coming or the return of Jesus Christ, that it will be literal, it will be personal, it will be sudden, it will be universally visible. The second coming the return of Christ, it coincides with the resurrection and the translation of the righteous. And all that, church, is described in our scriptural text. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, once again, the word of God says that the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. We're talking about those righteous. We're talking about that resurrection. 
Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up into in the air. We shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, the question I know that some people may be wondering is that how do we know that Christ is coming again? How do we know that Christ is coming again? Well, church, we know because when I was in that picture show, I saw those words coming soon. And those words came from the maker, the creator of that movie, The Return of the Seven. Well, so it is in the natural, so it also is in the spiritual. How do we know Christ is coming again? Because our maker, our creator, our heavenly father has let us know. He has revealed it to us. In the book of Amos, chapter 3, verse number 7, the word of God says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing but he revealeth his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. The Lord God has let us know that Christ will return. And that's nothing strange with God. God has been doing that since the beginning of time. Since the beginning, he has been revealing his plans. In the book of Genesis, in the book of Genesis, did not God reveal to a man, to a servant, to a preacher that he would destroy the world. In the book of Genesis chapter 6, I believe in chapter 6 verses 1 through 13, it talks about God and how he created man and how he got displeased with man. He was disappointed with man. He was so upset with man that he wanted to destroy the world. The scripture says that it repented the Lord that he had even created man. But then God revealed to a man who was living in the midst of corruption. He revealed to a servant and instructed him to build a ship, to build a boat, to build an ark. And this man, this servant, this preacher, not only received the instructions of God, but in Genesis chapter 8, he obeyed the instructions of God and he built an ark. And I'm quite sure we know who that man, that servant, that preacher is. Because even as a child, we may have heard the song, Who built the ark? Brother Noah built the ark. And yes, Brother Noah was a man who was living in the midst of corruption because that world was wicked at that time. But also, Brother Noah received the instructions from God to build an ark. And it's one thing to receive instructions, but it's another thing to obey the instructions. And Brother Noah obeyed the instructions. And Brother Noah not only obeyed God, but he also followed through on what God said. He preached the word of God. And I know someone is saying, well, how can you say that Brother Noah was a preacher? Well, I didn't say it. The word of God says it. Maybe you may have bypassed this scripture or maybe not have read this scripture, but in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse, num chapter two, verse number 5, the word of God says, and spare not, this is God, 
and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Noah, a preacher of righteousness. Some might say, well, what did Noah preach? He preached righteousness. The scripture tells us that. Now, I have yet to find in the Bible, Pastor, you might could help me, I've yet to find in the Bible the exact sermon that Noah may have preached. But living in the midst of corruption, I'm quite sure he preached righteousness. What is righteousness? Right living. Living in Christ. Living in the words of God. Now, someone may say, well, how about his message, his exact message? Well, someone once told me that a preacher preaches, thus saith the Lord. Someone once told me that a prophet speaks, thus saith the Lord. So if Noah was a preacher, I'm quite sure during that time when he was building that ark and that he was preaching, he preached, thus saith the Lord. Now, what did the Lord say? Well, I'm quite sure that Noah probably told the people that God said it's going to rain. That may have been his simple message. It's going to rain. And quite frankly, that may have been the answer to the question that the people were asking. Because can you imagine this church in the middle of dry ground, in the middle of dry land, you're building an ark? You're building a big boat. And when people come by, do you not know or think that they would not look at you and ask questions? And when you say, I'm building an ark, I'm building a boat because the Lord told me, and then when they say, why? And then they say, you tell them it's going to rain. And you've got to understand this, church, it had never rained before. Rain had never come from above. Water had never come from the sky. And so when he instructed them that it is going to rain, that water is going to come from the sky, can you imagine that these people probably thought that he was crazy? We've never seen this happen. And you saying it's water's going to come from the sky and it's going to destroy the earth? They laughed at him. They ridiculed them. They talked about him. So here's my question. Are there any modern-day Noahs in the house today? Are there any modern Noahs in the house today? Someone that is living in the midst of corruption. Is not this world corrupt? Living in the midst of corruption, as Brother Garrett mentioned, we've been studying in our, in our Bible study on Wednesday, in the world, but not of the world. Living in the midst of corruption, but yet not being a part of it. Receiving the instructions of God. Did not Noah receive the instructions of God to build the ark? Have we not received the instructions of God, the Bible, our B-I-B-L-E, our basic instructions before leaving earth? Have we not received the instructions? But as I mentioned before, it's one thing to receive the instructions, but it's another thing to obey the instructions. Noah was reve revealed God's plan to the people. Why? Because God revealed it to him. 
In the same way God revealed it to Noah, he revealed it even about the first coming of Christ. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse number 3, God revealed it to the prophet when he said, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. He revealed the first coming of Christ. And if he revealed the first coming of Christ, why would he not reveal the second coming, the return of Christ? And who was this person that would prepare the way? I'm quite sure we all know that it was John the Baptist. In Matthew chapter 11, verse number 10, the word of God says, and this is Jesus speaking, for this is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee. And for confirmation, church, in Luke chapter 3, verses 2 and 4, the word of God reads, Annas and Caiaphas being the high priest, the word of God came unto John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness, John the Baptist, and he came into all the country about Jordan, preaching the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of Esaias the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. The Lord has revealed to us that he would destroy the world. He revealed it to Noah. He revealed it to the prophet and John the Baptist that one would come preparing the way for the Lord. So why would not he reveal the return of Christ, the second coming of Christ? And he has revealed it to us, church. He's revealed us through three witnesses. Angels, the written word, and also the living word. He revealed it to us through his angels. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, you see Jesus after his death, burial, and resurrection. He had walked this earth for some 40 days. And then being in the midst of his disciples, being in the midst of a whole group of people while speaking, all of a sudden they saw him rising up in the clouds, going up into the air. And as they stood there and looked up, the word of God says, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. It was revealed to the angels who let them know that he would come again. And not only by angels' testimony that he's coming again, He's coming soon, church, but the written word of God tells us this. In our scriptural text for today, in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, we read it. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive 
who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. The word of God, the written word of God has let us know. The angels have testified of it. And even Christ himself has told us that he will come again. Now, let me ask you this, church. If someone told you not once, not twice, not three times, but four times, if they told you something, would not you take heed to what they are telling you? In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse number 12, Jesus said, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Jesus saying, I'm coming quickly, coming soon, church, coming soon. Now, not only did he say it there, but staying in that same chapter of Revelation, chapter 22, Jesus also said this, he which testified these things saying, surely I come quickly coming soon church he's coming soon he's going to return even so come lord jesus come should not that be our words that we say if we are looking forward to the return of christ should not that be our prayer come lord jesus come jesus even said it in that same chapter three times in verse number seven he said behold I come quickly. Blessed is he that keep the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Three times in that one chapter, he said, I come quickly. He's letting us know that he's going to come again. The return of Christ. He's coming again. And in Revelation chapter 3, verse 11, Christ says, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Jesus said he's coming back. The angels testified of it. The word of God tells us, God has revealed it to us, that he is going to return. So I know that somebody is probably out there saying, okay, okay, Elder Pringle. He's coming back. He's saying that. But tell me, what's taking him so long to come back? Why is his delay in coming? Well, I don't really have the answer to that. I don't exactly know the answer. But allow me, if you will, church, just to give you two thoughts. Two thoughts for you to ponder as to why he has delayed in coming back. Could it be, church, could it be that his delay in coming back, could it be because of you? Could it be that his delay in coming back is because of you and me? You see, in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse number 14, the word of God says this, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So I ask this question, church. If you 
are not preaching, teaching, testifying, spreading the good news of the gospel of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, if you're not spreading the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God, then are you hindering Christ's return? And I know that you may be saying, well, I can't go into all the ends of the earth to do this. But how about right next door to you? How about the house that's sitting on your block? How about your coworker at work? Are you spreading the good news? Are you telling them about Jesus Christ? And someone may say, well, yes, we are. And we have all technology that can take us to the ends of the earth. But there's a very important part in that verse that I think that most people miss. And I thank Pastor Akeem for pointing that out to us a few weeks ago. As he was speaking, I was sitting on the edge of my seat and I was saying, yes, about time that somebody mentioned it. Yes, we understand that this gospel message must be preached in all the world, but we miss that part about for a witness unto all nations. For a witness unto all nations. You see, when Jesus spoke this in Matthew 24, he talked about how we can be that witness in the very next chapter. In Matthew chapter 25, Verses 31 through 40, it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, the return of Christ, he's coming soon. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hunger, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hunger, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? And church, he they asked, or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And this is what Jesus said, and this is how we can be a witness unto all nations. He said, and the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. In other words, church, we can talk about Jesus all we want. We can spread the good news of the gospel of our Savior and Lord, yes. But until the nations see us as a witness demonstrating Christ, then they will believe, yes, yes. It's one thing for us to go out and preach the word, but it's another thing for us to live the word. Someone once said, they don't care how much they, you know. 
until they know how much you care. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if you show compassion to them, if you show that Christ-like character for you, to them, then when you open your mouth and begin to speak, they will listen. Don't just talk about it, church. Let's be about it. In other words, walk it like you talk it, church. Walk it like you talk it. I said there were two reasons that we could be hindering Christ's return. The second, the first reason, could it be you? Could it be me? The second reason, could it be you? Could it be me? In the book of 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, the word of God says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In other words, church, we could be hindering Christ's return because could it be that he's waiting on you to repent? He desires none to be lost, but all to come into repentance. Could it be that some of us have one foot in the church and one foot in the world? Could it be that some of us are straddling the fence and God desires for none of us to be lost? But he is long-suffering, and he is waiting for us to repent. I remember this story about a little girl named Susie. Susie was in Sabbath school, and they were studying about heaven. And the teacher was explaining to her and explaining to the class the joy and the beauty of heaven. It's saying, explaining about the pearly gates, the streets are paved with gold, explaining about the throne of God and about the pure river that runs from the throne of God, telling them about the tree that has all these different kinds of fruits on one tree. And then the teacher asked the question, is anybody ready to go to heaven? And everyone raised their hand but little Susie. And the teacher looked at her and she was amazed that Susie didn't raise her hand. And she said, Susie, you don't want to go to heaven? And she said, yes, I want to go, but I don't want to go right now. And the teacher said, why? She said, well, my mother is making my favorite apple pie for dessert. So I asked you, church, what is keeping you from wanting to go to heaven? What is your apple pie? What are you holding on to this world that God is asking for you to repent of? Because your repentance, your lack of repentance has his delay in coming. I tell you this, church. God is not slack in his promise. He's just waiting for you to repent because he's coming soon. And let me tell you, church, you won't miss this show. I said I didn't want to miss the return of the seven, but when Christ returns, you will not miss it because the scripture tells us that, behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. So no one will miss him. No one will miss this show. 
every eye will see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. So as we wait for Christ's return, because he's coming soon, every eye will see. But my question is, will you be ready for his return? Will we be ready for Christ's return? Because when he does return, church, and every one of us will take part in it, because when Christ returns, there will be four classes of people on this earth. And you're going to be in one of those classes. There's no doubt about it. There are four classes of people that will be on this earth. There will be the righteous living and the righteous dead. There will be the unrighteous living and the unrighteous dead. There's no other way about it. You will be in one of those categories of people. And his return will affect all four classes. We already saw in our scripture text for today, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, we saw what the effect of the righteous will be. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And this is what happens to the righteous. The dead in Christ will rise. First, thank you, elder. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's the effect of Christ upon the righteous living and the righteous dead. Now, what happens to the unrighteous, you may ask? Well, let me tell you this. When Christ makes that shout, that shout is a call for those who are dead to rise. Those who are dead in Christ to rise. As it was mentioned earlier, someone mentioned how he called Lazarus from the grave. And when he called Lazarus from the grave, Lazarus came forth. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Those that are in the grave when he returns, when they hear that shout, they will recognize that voice and they will rise. Then we which are alive shall be caught up together with them in the air. Now what about the unrighteous, you say? I'm glad someone asked that. Because that same voice that shouts and calls is the same voice that also destroys. That same breath that came from Christ when he made that shout is that same voice that also destroys. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, we read that. I'm sorry, praise God. Isaiah chapter 11, verse number 4. It says, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. When Christ returns, that shout will call his living in righteousness from the grave, but it will also destroy the wicked and the unrighteous that are living. We want confirmation. Well, and ever you want confirmation from the word of God, the best place to go is the word of God. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 8, 
the word of God says, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So with that shout, he makes the call and he also destroys, but also with his brightness and his appearing. That is how the wicked that are here when he returns shall take him. Now, how about those that are wicked and are in the grave? Well, they don't recognize the voice, so they don't rise up. Let me tell you this, church, in closing, you have to be in one of those classes in order when Christ returns. You know, because when I was in school, I had to be in a certain class before that bell rang. And if I didn't make it to class before that bell rang, I was in trouble. And sometimes I got caught in the wrong class. Well, church, so it is in the natural, so it also is in the spiritual. He's coming soon. I don't desire any of us to be caught without being in the right class. But right now, you have your chance. You have your decision. You have a probationary period in which he's allowing you to go through, in which he desires none to be lost. Just as Moses preached a probationary period of 120 years before the waters came, I don't know how long our probationary period is, but church, you have to make a decision. What class will you be in? Will you be in the righteous living or the righteous dead? Will you be in the wicked living or the wicked dead? You want to be in this righteous side in one of those classes. Because when that bell rings and he returns, you don't want to get caught with your work undone. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. I leave you as I came giving all praise, glory, and honor to our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Please look us up online at PasadenaAdventistChurch.org and at Pasadena SDA Maryland YouTube channel. Please contact us with any questions or prayer requests. We are located at 10 Seaborn Drive in Pasadena, Maryland. Please join us for worship every Sabbath morning at 10.45 a.m. Thank you for listening, and God bless.